Hey, Storm Freaks, it's Phil. Hey, we're guaranteed to have some turbulence here on episode 188. Uh, joining us is Amaryllis Cotto. She's a meteorologist and officer with, listen, the Hurricane Hunters. Hey, we're also going to be sharing some of our Chasers Gone Wild clips and our hashtag WeatherFools on Stormfront Freaks Live! Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather show. Hey, this is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks Live, and this is brought to you by windstormproducts.com. Hey, the Atlantic is a little quiet right now, so use this time to prepare your home for the next hurricane. Our friends at Windstorm, Windstorm Products have the world's largest online selection of hurricane hardware. You can plan now and shop windstormproducts.com for your hurricane hardware and shutter installation tools. Hey, thanks to our Patreon members and our teammates. They're scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. You can join our team as well. You can get access to interact with our exclusive Facebook group of co-hosts and over 50 past guests. We also have a number of tiers and more exclusives, but you can help support our show for as little as $5 a month. Find all those details at stormfrontfreaks.com. If you are new to the show, uh, we like to have fun here. This is a fun, uh, entertaining weather show, and it's always happy hour when we uh, do this show. <laughs> and so uh, it, it helps two things. Number one, it helps you to realize that, yep, we like to have fun. We're here to educate and learn, but have a good time while we're doing it. It also introduced the co-hosts. That, are happen, uh, that happen to be on the show tonight. So we're going to go around the bar, find out what everybody's drinking and who's here. I'm going to start with Serena Arnold, our meteorologist and author. Uh, what, are you, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I brought a weather beer again today. Um, Shocker! I know, right? <laughs> so predictable. Uh, Granite Roots Brewing, it's called, well, the green screen doesn't work, All of the Raindrops. Nice. All oh, of the Raindrops. Like it. All like who would have known you've probably brought like a hundred different weather beers on the Easily. show. It yeah. feels like, like that. who'd know there'd be that many weather themed beers out there. That's I know. Or that you Some drink that time. much. <laughs> Either of those are concerning, but yeah. All right. On that note, Mark Maz Massaro, our former on-camera meteorologist. Uh, Maz, what do you got tonight? I got my, I got my citrus clouds from truly. Very good. Just Ooh, I like it those. Open a minute ago. Oh, I like it. It is good. Very Those young. are the best. Oh my gosh. Aren't they? I know, right? Good good on a, a warm day. Somewhere in a hose, so I'll see if I can get that. Good, <laughs> good on a warm day. All right, Jen Watson, on camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel. I know you're do you're working there doing some on air stuff. So cool. Good for you. Yeah. Kudos. Thanks. Um, I have coffee, you guys, but oh. it's, it's official. You're awesome. But yeah, it's been a very busy <laughs> day and week. I had a, a shoot this week too, so there's just been a lot going on. So, yeah. Irish coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Irish, Irish. All right. And then uh, Greg Johnson, our storm chaser and photographer. Greg, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking something I'm going to call a rain delay. And you'll understand oh. when we get to our Weather Fools segment, but it's essentially uh, Malibu rum, pineapple, and uh, a little Sprite mixed in. So, mm, yum, yum, yum. 
You're, you're being a little good. tropical tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, tri- it is tropical storm season. I'm I'm just drinking my margarita in a bottle. That's all I'm drinking. So, <laughs> all right. And then of course we we've got MJ. Uh, MJ's in the back in the green room. He's running the show as well. But um, Maz, uh, let's get to our esteemed guest this evening. Absolutely, we are very excited to have First Lieutenant Amaryllis Cotto from the Air Force Reserves. Very excited to have her on. Amaryllis is currently a meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Houston, Galveston, after spending time at the San Juan office. Now, she's also a meteorologist for the U.S. Air Force Reserves and is part of the 53rd Weather Reconnaissance Squadron, the Hurricane Hunters, shout out to them, based at Keesler Air Force Base as an aerial reconnaissance weather officer. Amaryllis has a BS in meteorology from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and a master's in science in geoscience from Florida International University with focusing emphasis on meteorology and hurricane dynamics and a super smart lady. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being here. You're working so you can't drink tonight (laughs) while you're there, but we know you're you're imbibing mentally with us and stuff. So, so yeah. I gotta, I gotta ask, cause you had said you're living your dream. How did the, tell us your story. How did this all come to be your dream? Absolutely. Um, so the long story short is that, uh, we were living in Homestead, uh, air force base area, Miami, Florida, at the time that the beautiful hurricane Andrew came through uh it's a you know it's it's known in history that there just wasn't enough time for us to kind of get out of the path of the storm and we actually were one of the people who got the eye of the storm so by the time we survived the whole ordeal we had nothing left we went through a very traumatic experience and i was very young and i still remember very vividly like the sounds uh, things that were happening all around me, the the glass shattering, wood breaking. And, it, it, you know, I was so small, but it was so intense that to this day, that was kind of like where it all started. That's where I got the little raindrop. So so how old were you when, when that happened? <laughs> You're not supposed to ask that because we have. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to invoke <laughs> Joe Harding from Twister. Right. You have this experience as a kid, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah. So you were really young. So it really imprinted on you. And here you are years later as a hurricane hunter. Like, does it blow your mind sometimes? It does, because the whole the whole, you know, what, what kind of it didn't go wrong What Mother Nature. You know, it's totally right. But the, the thing was, you know, it did some rapid intensification. Nobody was expecting it. It was one of those very kind of dull years there was no tropical you know stuff going on and then here comes Andrew and it completely just it also diverted like it didn't follow the original forecast path so there were a lot of things that were just not you know not did not happen as we were expecting it to happen and because of that like I I ended up being one of the victims and that was kind of like my motive motivation to kind of be like I don't want people to have to go through that kind of experience or maybe lose their lives because of it. So here I am, I'm going to study rabbit intensification. I'm going to, you know, be curious about it. I'm going to start flying airplanes. I'm going to start doing things so that I can eventually be a person that can better the forecast and 
be able to save lives. Did you solve world peace yet too? Just asking. (laughs) (laughs) So Amaryllis, what warrants a mission, a Hurricane Hunter mission? Can you walk us through like, you know, what has criteria has to be met for you guys to make an initial flight out into the storm? Absolutely. So it has to do really different things that, you know, the environment changes and things that the National Hurricane Center is looking for changes as well, depending on the storm. Typically, most likely what we'll see is that the National Hurricane Center kind of sees something in the models or something in the environment, satellite imagery that is out of, you know, curiosity. There's something that might develop or has the potential to develop. That kind of starts the wheels going. And from there, then they kind of set up, all right, we need to investigate this if it's going to be something that's going to be uh, developing within the next couple of days. And that's kind of how we get the ball rolling, where then we're all on the Air Force side trying to get our crew, we're trying to get everybody in line who's available, we're pilots or meteorologists. And then so from there, it all kind of falls. It's a train effect. It all falls into place. But it starts from actually looking at data, satellite data. Uh, The forecast models, a lot of people now are used to seeing, oh, what is the GFS showing, the Euro, all of this, like, is there potential? And if there is, that's kind of how we start talking about it and they start making the the coordination. So how long are the missions? Does it all depend on where that investigative spot is, that storm, that energy? Absolutely. So some some flights, I've been on some flights, they're closer to that 12-hour mark. So... (laughs) So some flights have been, I think the shortest flight I've done so far, maybe six and a half hours. And that's closer to the Caribbean because one of the places where we take off from is St. Croix, USBI. So we can sometimes get to the storm pretty quickly. Um, Or for example, if it's in the Gulf and we're operating out of Keesler, um, then we can get to it much quicker. Um, But there are, for example, the East Pacific storms, those can take quite a while just to get to the storm four or five hours that we're flying just to get in the environment. That's amazing. (laughs) So, so it takes like an entire team to do this, right? You've got pilots that are flying the, they're what C-130s that you do this with? C-130J. So you've got pilots that are doing those. You have meteorologists looking at observations. You have people doing like the drops ons. There's a ton of jobs and roles and responsibilities in this. Tell us about your specific role and what you're doing. Absolutely. So we have a minimum of five people in the crew. So we have the pilot, the co-pilot, the navigator, the load master, and then the meteorologist. Um, We're called AROs, A-R-W-O, Aero Reconnaissance Weather Officer. It's a very long title. But basically, we're the ones kind of in charge of the mission, right? We're the ones responsible for all the data that is collected. Uh, We're responsible for analyzing that data because we get the first dibs on it. We kind of are seeing what the storm is doing during the flight. So we get to decide, okay, the pilot needs to go 20 left. Uh, 30 right to be able to catch that center. All, I'm also the one telling the uh, load master exactly where to drop. So if we need to do a SON, uh, drop a SON on the uh, maximum eye wall or at the center, all of those. It's just, it, there's a lot of things, but pretty much like my job is the one who's in charge of the mission at the time of the flight. So that's pretty wild that <laughs> if you think about what happens with that information, the fact that literally in some cases millions of people are going to be affected with evacuation notices and stuff. That's a big responsibility. But I have a question which is not about big responsibilities. Um I'm on a commercial flight to Cincinnati 
and uh, I, I have bad turbulence, and we're going to call that turbulence a three on the one to 10 scale. Okay. <laughs> like it's bad. It's bad to the point that like people are like maybe getting a little sick on this commercial flight. Tell me where that rates flying into a hurricane. All right. I'm going to be honest. Uh, sometimes it's a little, you got to hold on for a little bit. Um, I, <laughs> hold I've, on for a little puked? bit. Have you, <laughs> have you puked? You have. I have not. You no, have not. Okay. Have she not. hasn't. She is like, that's, she's a rock star. <laughs> have have not, there, there have been moments where, um, so where my palate is, we call it a palate where we sit. Um, there's like metal tubes uh, along the aircraft. And there have been times where you kind of just like, okay. Like <laughs> the whole, the whole bars, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're just holding on. And it's kind of almost, um, sometimes we got to do it because we're looking at so much information in this one monitor. And we're trying to decide where to go. Do we need to go left? We need to go right. And I'm just like, I can't see. <laughs> it's all moving. I can't see these numbers. So it gets a little tricky. But what helps is that I'm constantly looking at the data, looking at the storm environment, looking at everything. So honestly, like, yeah, the turbulence is there. But I'm like, I, I got to really focus on this thing. So it, it kind of helps not have So give that. me a number. Give me a number out of 10. <laughs> depends on the storm. Each storm is wildly different. I've had category fours and fives that just smooth. And it's really, oh yeah. And it's just rain. Like the pilots do what they need to do. Maybe a little bump here and there, maybe a little lightning strike nearby, but it's smooth. And then you have these other storms where you're like, oh, it's going to be good. We're going to, you know, cat three. Ooh, it rocks you. It definitely Mm. rocks you. Um, Actually, it's quite interesting, but the most turbulent storms are most likely, not all, not the whole time, but most likely are the storms that are either going through rapid intensification or going some sort of like change with land nearby, like mountains. You can definitely mm. feel the turbulence there. But I would have to say the best storm for turbulence that I've flown was Hurricane Sam. And one out of 10, mm, that's a good question. Um, <sighs> Maybe like eight. Whoa, oh my God. God. Seven, eight. But that that's for my experience. So so but <laughs> let let's figure out this scale. Is ten like crash? Like you're dead <laughs> like I, I wanna make sure we know when you say eight, I'm just making sure because yeah, yeah. ten could be really bad. Ten okay, so ten would be like the pilots calling it off and be like, We can't oh. after this. We need to okay. just either wait. Wait it out or re- <laughs> reanalyze. Okay, so does that actually happen there? Are there times and are there conditions that you simply cannot fly through? Sometimes. So we fly most of it. But for example, we have radar the whole time. So if we see something that might resemble a tornado or yeah. something that could be like a vortice that we sometimes see inside the inner eye wall, then we'll try to fly around it. Our, our radar is actually equipped to kind of signal turbulence. Um, and I remember Hurricane Sam, we were flying into it, and you can't quite see it when you're about 100 miles away. But as you get near, you start seeing the monitor flash a little bit more. And as you get closer, it's just started flashing all over the place. And we're like, okay, all right, this, this is going to rock. So we did the first pass, and I was like, well, wow, okay, I wasn't expecting that. We're all like trying to like, okay. That was that was a little intense. All right, we got this, and then it was kind of kind of funny because then when we were gonna cross it again, I, the pilot's like, "All right, I want everybody strapped." 
<laughs> so have you ever I was, I was gonna say hypothetically have you ever heard the pilot be like oops or anything <laughs> oh, no. hypothetically because i left know we his got mic CR on. on the line and everything so uh, I, no. hypothetically well, like oops <laughs> we're at an 11 I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. We always oh. try to fly, you know, crew safety is first and foremost. We we try to get as right. much information as we can, but the navigator is also helping looking at all of these little things that the radar is indicated. The meteorologist is there, you know, verifying that we're flying also like the appropriate path, but it's also safe. And if we need to divert, we're also talking to the hurricane center the whole time. Like I'm typing away, talking to them. Like we need. What to... about altitude? What's the range on altitudes that you fly? Cause you go at different heights, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question actually. So if it's something that's not quite developed, let's say a disturbance or they're trying to figure out if there's something there with a the wind pattern, we can fly as low as 500 feet off. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Crazy. Yeah, that is an amazing view, actually. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. Uh, yeah, that low you can actually spot sea turtles. Oh really? Gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, this your twelve-year-old girl just came out of you right now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I can see sea turtles. It's so pretty. But um, so something that's more developed. Let's say we go up in in height, depending on different things, depending on how convective it is, how turbulent it is. So we're always trying to fly at a good, reasonable height that we can recover. Um, but once it's usually category one or above, it's at 10,000 feet. Now we have had storms. The reason why we fly at 10,000 feet is that when you get to the center, you actually lose height. So you're much lower than oh. when you started. And then you kind of recover because of the pressure differences. Mm, so that actually, Willis, tell us what it's like to be in the center. Like you're flying through the storm. It's all bumpy and crazy. It's You've got the clouds and everything. You can't see anything. And then you get into this calm center, like describe it to us. Like, what is that like? Um, so I've seen the stadium effect is what they call it. When you finally, some people, uh, it, the, the meteorologist is so busy that sometimes it's kind of hard to get away from our little window and just kind of head up to the flight deck and look at it. But I've had the opportunity to do so. Um, and I've had two very vivid memories where one was a very large stadium effect, like Laura, because I flew the landfall mission for Laura. Um, mm -hmm. Was it Laura or Ida? One of those. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. Like you just see this tower of clouds. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're in the center of this. Wow. And this is, it's insane to be able to fly a Cat 4, Cat 5. And then Any pictures? Did you take pictures? <laughs> pictures. Okay. But you know, the most memorable one for me was actually flying at night. You can't see anything going into it and you're just riding through it. And then out of nowhere, I can't remember what hurricane it was, but it opened up and I remember the pilots going, hey, Amaryllis, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, oh, yeah, what's going on? Like, I'm trying to, you know, center all of this. I'm sending messages. He's like, when you're done, get up here, like right now. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And when I go up there, ah, oh, it's the beautiful moon and the stars in the center of the hurricane. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Greg's photography head just have a good like lens. I only have my cell phone, which it only looks like a white dot. And you're like, this does no justice. 
Yeah, wow. So no selfies? None, none of the selfie stuff? Hey, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And then we can't use flash because the pilots can't be blind, you know? So, oh, right. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It's like surreal. You're just sitting in the middle of this hurricane and you're looking at the stars and the moon. And it's like, wow, this, this time and place, nobody is here right now but us. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Wow. Okay, so I, I've got a two-parter. One, how many total people make up the entire, like, Hurricane Hunter wing or crew. And the second is there was one storm last year they went through that was, I remember there was a huge drop in, mm. in altitude during it. And it was kind of hairy. And I remember it kind of, I remember reading all about it in social media. Um, so how, so yeah, how, how big is the, like the whole group and were you a part of that flight or do you know anything about it? So I technically was not part of, I wasn't part of that flight. I was here in Houston, uh, working it. Um, but I remember that a couple of people had a had experienced the severe turbulence of it and some um i think the people that were most impressed too were the media because we actually had media join us in some of those flights and it was i wouldn't say they were scared but it was like a moment that if you're not used to experiencing that kind of environment it can be a little daunting. Clean, uh, clean up in aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember they sent me videos and I was impressed because it's videos of them sitting in the back and you can see they're just going in air. Like their feet are just like floating. So they're doing zero gravity thing going on inside the storm. And I was like, Ooh, that's wow. pretty intense. And then I was like, how did you feel? Like, did you like it? And they're like, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> So like it, it depends ah. on the person. Like I remember that storm. That storm when when I started getting all the stories and ever, all the inputs from people, I was like, that was a wicked storm. Like usually that's not normal. Like that that was a very interesting storm because it wasn't normal to get that much severe turbulence in it. That's interesting. I was wondering kind of that perspective on it. Like, is it as bad as it seemed, or was it you know? Um, I, th I think it's awesome. I want to ride on the vomit comet someday. So I'm like, okay. sign me up. For it. Yeah, I think Noah was flying that storm too. And they had a similar, they actually, I think they have videos that they put out from one of them that actually showed how bad it was and everything's like, you see all the paper everywhere. You see things are flying all over the place and yeah, it can get pretty uh, wild. So, so I, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa, I still want to find whoa. out how, how many people, how, like how many people, that other part of the question, how many people oh, make up? make up the whole wing or group? So there's a lot of people actually involved in the crew, although we're very, we're very small uh, compared for the Air Force, right? For a squadron. We're actually quite small and very specific in what we do. Actually, we're the only uh, entity in the military that does this kind of uh, mission. So for meteorologists in itself, for ARWAs, there's about 20 of us total. Um, and it's divided by traditional reservists and full-time. So I'm one of the traditional reservists, so I'm not there full-time. So that's why I'm full-time here with the National Weather Service. Um, so we've got about 20 meteorologists and then pilots are more because you have to have two, minimum of two or more per flight. So you can, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's almost double, could be triple the amount of what we have. Then you have the load masters that are about 20 as well. Uh, navigators, which are about 20 as well. So if you look at the numbers, it comes to a couple of hundred people, but it's, it's not, it's not as big as a normal military squadron in itself. That's neat. I was wondering if it's like the whole thing on 20 people's shoulders or like 200. So that's cool to know. 
Yeah, yeah, it's actually up. <laughs> I say this to my crew all the time, but I was like, for meteorologists, it's quite amazing because if you really think about it, there's only 20 meteorologists in the whole Air Force, well, the whole military that can actually do this kind of job. Um, so it's a very specific type of training that you get to do, and it's it's quite cool. Amaryllis, describe how you collect the data because isn't there, you guys have like a tube where you like drop it down, right? Like you've got a hole and everything like that. Explain how it all works. Yeah, I kind of wish I had pictures before this for you guys can see, you can see it. Um, but actually, yes, yes. So we have different instruments in the aircraft. Uh, we have sensors, uh, we have the GPS, we also have a tube that launches sounds. So we use different things uh, with our instruments and, and in our computer, if you actually see it, we get a lot of real-time data and it's continuous real-time data running as well as the radar. So we're looking at all of our instrument data and we're looking at radar, we're looking at how the aircraft is also behaving, um, and then we launch these songs. So depending on the requirements for the National Hurricane Center, we have certain points, certain locations where we need to drop the song. Typically, it's on the outer side of the storm environment. When we do a pass, it's the next one is gonna be on the eye wall, just to get those maximum wind um, from flight level all the way down to the surface. We get the center information as well. And then we do it all over again with the eye wall. And so we're constantly throwing these little sounds to kind of get a bigger picture, which actually these, uh, so the soundings are fed into a lot of our models. So it helps. Do you ever, do you ever get bad data? And if you do, how do you know? And what do you oh. like? It's a great question. Absolutely. Sometimes we get songs that either are what we call fast falling songs that maybe the parachute didn't deploy very well or something happened that's just dropping too quick. Um, we also maybe have like something that just didn't, oh, it's not communicating with the aircraft. It's no good. So um, in most situations, we just try to get one. The low master has a couple ready. So he immediately knows like, okay, not a good song. So ooh, okay, let's batter one other one up and put it in the tube and try to launch it. So sometimes we get bad data. And unfortunately, we're like, oh, that one wasn't really good. There's something a little sketchy about how the profile looks or how the numbers are calculated. So we kind of have to discard. But we, we as meteorologists get training to recognize that the data is, is bad or not. So we're able to quality check all the stuff that's coming out of the aircraft before sending it to the hurricane center. And then the hurricane center does a reanalysis and they they decide if it's good data or not and then we continue our mission is there a threshold how do you know like if it says oh it says it's sunny in 75 let's go home I mean, <laughs> how do you know <laughs> most of the time uh so it's easy to detect with winds right if if you're inside an eye wall and it's let's say 125 uh knots and then it's showing 50 knots you're like okay uh, either the song went somewhere else <laughs> which can happen because it can actually get dragged to a different location of where you originally put um or maybe i missed the exact timing because there's it's so interesting like it's almost an intuition but you're also looking at the data so you gotta like try to time it perfectly where it actually drops right where you get that wall the the maximum win and it, it's it's very you know it takes a while for you to kind of hone it in but by the time we're actually doing the missions we do hone it in we're ready <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, um, but before we go to break, don't forget, everybody, you can find our merch at helicity.co. 
So you can check out all our new line of only you can prevent hashtag weather fools gear, as well as some sweet Stormfront Freaks drinking containers. It's all part of the exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks merch. Just visit helicity.co, the weather superstore for the freak in you. Hey, we're taking a short break uh, with a new Storm Chaser safety clip, and uh, we'll be right back with more from Amaryllis, so stay tuned. It's time for this edition of Stormfront Freaks Podcast, Storm Chaser Safety Tip. Join retired fire battalion chief Randy Denzer, EMA director Eddie Aldrin, and police officer Eric Fox as we discuss some of the most common storm chaser safety pitfalls to avoid. In the studio, we have Randy Denzer. He's a retired fire battalion chief with over 30 years in fire service and current storm spotter and public safety director for the Spotter Network. Uh, we also have Eddie Aldrin. He's a former law enforcement officer and current storm chaser and director of emergency management for Nemaha County in Kansas. And last, Eric Fox, current police officer in Davis, Oklahoma, and also a field correspondent for Weather Nation TV. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We want to talk a little bit about uh, planning preparation from from a an emergency safety personal side of things, right? If if you're coming across damage, you're coming across people that have been hurt. Uh, what are some of the emergency supplies? you would want to have in your vehicle. Randy, I'm going to start with you. What, what would be number one on your list? Absolutely, Phil. The number one thing I'd have on my list would be the actual training. I know that sounds crazy. You know what? If you get the training, you'll know what supplies to, to uh, make sure that you have with you. But I, I can't say this enough. Get CPR trained. Get some first aid training. If you don't know where to find it, call your local fire department. Uh, I promise you they'll help you uh, figure out where to get it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Great point. So, Eddie, I'm, I'll jump to you now. Uh, assuming you know we've got some training, uh, what what what's I guess would be some good supplies. What I carry in my truck, and it's because I have the training to know how to use the stuff, is I have a, a medic bag. Uh, it's a backpack full of all kinds of uh, medical supplies, gauze, uh, hemostats, tourniquets, and you can get these first aid kits that are super cheap, up to the ones like I have that are a few hundred dollars. Like Randy said, you have to know how to use that stuff. Uh, do not buy the stuff that you don't know how to use because it's it's worthless to you. Um, using it the improper way can harm someone on either yourself or the patient that you roll up onto. Um, you don't want that on you, um, having to harm someone else because you use something you, you don't know how to use. Band-aids, uh, gauze, uh, things to stop bleeding, and then also things to brace uh, limbs like with uh, rods or stuff like that where you can create a splint for broken arms or uh, legs and eric i'll jump to you a simple individual maybe i don't have the training yet uh i don't have the big medic kit yet you know what what would be something simple that i could still make sure i have in my vehicle that i might be able to use one of my other pet peeves is personal protection equipment right how many of us and i'll raise my hand on this chasing flip-flops and shorts this guy right but what i have in a bag usually packed away somewhere along with my my stuff that the, everybody's talked about, uh, not, not only the training, but my go bag, uh, which with all my medical stuff in it is having boots, jeans, and some sort of gloves, something to cover your arms and legs. Because if you're in that debris pulling people out, uh, you know, you get a firefighter to ask you to do something. You don't want to be walking around in flip flops and shorts. 
you know, a disaster scene. It's the worst thing you could do. And I honestly, and I'll attest to this, and, and everybody, all, all, all three of us will attest to this, you're not coming into that disaster scene looking like that. Uh, that first responder will tell you to leave. So um, just going to be honest with you. Uh, take care of yourself first so that way you can take care of yourself. Very good. Thank you. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we're back with Amaryllis. And, and I want, want everybody, if you happen to be tuning in live and, and you're watching us on YouTube live, feel free. If you've got a question for Amaryllis, you can uh, uh, put that in the chat. And, and if we've got some time, uh, we might ask that as well. But my, my question is this, Amaryllis. I think Serena said it perfectly when she said you're a badass. <laughs> um, you know, reading reading your path, reading what you've done, um, you know, going to school, uh, going, you know, through flight school, uh, pursuing and, you know, like a dog going after becoming a hurricane hunter. I mean, just it really seemed like you were uber focused. I'm curious to the maybe the challenges that you faced that you had to overcome um, because you're a Latino woman doing those amazing things. What, 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 what challenges did you face that you were able to fight through and, and you're proud of? All right, let me gear up for this one. <laughs> but honestly, um, you know, yes, we do, we do go through a lot of difficult moments, um, especially when we're doing something that's not known, right? Not, not usual, not a usual career that we put ourselves to, to do. Um, I think, you know, when, when you're looking at it from the sense of passion, um, determination will kind of fall in with passion and it's supposed to. Um, and for me, I'm just extremely grateful for the people who kind of supported that passion. I see that to me weighted more in my career as I did all my studies than actual the setbacks. Yeah, there were setbacks and you know, there are people who always like, it doesn't matter who you are. There are people who are gonna make it a little difficult for you. Um, and that's part of the challenge. I mean, that's life, right? And you, you kind of grow as a person or you grow within the career and then you kind of find these people who are really passionate about seeing you get there as well. And, and those are the people who are really going to make a difference in your life. And I think I, they deserve to have that memory, that attention um, in my mind, rather than the people who try to make it difficult for me. Um, but, you know, I've always been in a very male dominant situation, even with Embry-Riddle, it, it was male dominant. Uh, pilots are, you know, that that career is very male dominant, meteorology also. Um, so there's a lot of things of the military. Uh, so so there are a lot of things that were very male dominant, uh, involving a lot of males in my career, and even in the National Weather Service as well. But 
it's for me it's like it's it's all part of the process being a woman being a latina and i really didn't care for people who didn't want me there i cared for people mm-hmm. who did right and on. the people who, who i was kind of inspiring as well so i come from a very small town in puerto rico um extremely proud of it very humble beginnings right but but here's a dream of this little girl who didn't even know this was even possible to the point where even in my 20s i didn't know that this was possible even after i graduated but but i still pursued it it, it was my passion it's ultimately what i wanted to do um and i did other things i you know aviation to me was part of another type of career if it didn't work out i did air traffic control as well um that was part of my studies so you know, I there's kind of little. Of course, things. it was. Of course, it was. You know, <laughs> air, little air, little air traffic control on the side. You know, <laughs> that, that is, well, I just kind of you know, I prepared myself for more than just this. I was super focused on being a hurricane hunter, but it wasn't the only thing that I focused on because I kind of wanted to broaden my experience as well. And I met wonderful people from all kinds of different. So groups. in the uh, epic movie of Amaral Escado's life, <laughs> it's going to be who's going to play you in 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 uh, in the movies? Oh, who, yeah. who, who's who's Ooh, who's going? That's a like, good one. Who do you want to play yeah. you? Ooh, actually, I think Wonder Woman would be. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. She, she rocks. She's Can't like, argue with that. <laughs> Hey, here's here's a question about uh, about weather and and flying in this airplane. Um, you're, you're flying in, in hurricanes. Inevitably, there's going to be lightning everywhere, right? And uh, those planes have to get hit from time to time with lightning. Have 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 is it is it something you train for? Do they say what happens? What's the effect on the airplane? Has it ever happened to you? Yeah, it does. It happens quite often, actually. Really? Um, the plane is equipped for all of that. Like these planes are tanks. Um, and we have, you know, we're on the side of caution. If we lose our instruments or whatever, we're not going to continue flying. That's that's obviously like, OK, we need to return back to space. So um, there are different things that can happen. And it's actually quite awesome. The things that you feel during. Well, to me, it's quite awesome the things <laughs> that you feel during the storm. So like you can, for example, there were storms where you feel the turbulence. Uh, there are other storms where you actually hear the hail. Um, you really? see the lightning all over the place. I think there was a video last year of them in this environment and it's just like flashing everywhere and they're just calm flying through this thing and it's flashing everywhere. So what, but, what actually happens when lightning hits the airplane? It depends. Sometimes it doesn't get affected and we continue the mission. Um, the pilots kind of reassess, look at everything. They make sure that all their equipment is working perfectly. And if it is, we continue with the mission. And if not, then, then we would have to return aboard wow. the mission. But you know when it's hit, right? <laughs> what? I said, you know when it's hit, right? You're like, you were like, did we just? Or you're like, yeah, we got hit. Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes, you know, what's uh, another <laughs> point is when you, you can sometimes smell the ozone, like in the oh. aircraft, like in certain, certain paths when you when you're in the storm environment, it's like a natural. It's a natural air freshener um, for the aircraft. <laughs> Everybody just goes, oh, oh, okay, all right. We just got a whiff of it. It's like, it's like dew. It smells like dew, morning dew. Because wow. I'm pretty sure if I was in a plane that was hit by lightning, you're going to smell something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it ain't morning dew. <laughs> First you say it, and then you do it. <laughs> true. Um, so, Amaryllis, I have to ask you a question. Phil actually um, put in some questions into AI, like what we should ask you, which they came out with some interesting questions. Oh. Um, but one of them, which I love, which is perfect, nailed it on the head. Um, hurricane forecasting has made significant strides in recent years, but there obviously are still challenges to overcome. So what are some current areas of research and development that show promise in enhancing hurricane prediction? It's a great oh, question. Oh, absolutely. That's a great question, actually. Um, so, you know, scientists all the time are bettering the models, right? So a lot of this stuff, it's kind of like you're saying AI, we're, we're learning, we put in new information in. So the bigger our database uh, the better the model are, is going to do over time. So we're seeing that these things are improving, but as well, like whenever we do a flight, it improves the forecast from anything from like 20 to 25 to 30%. That's how significant each flight is that we do because wow. yeah, even, even like uh, strength, sometimes if the national hurricane center has an idea of what its strength is and we go in there and it's like, no, this, this is already a cat one. And they're like, well, here goes the special tropical weather message that it's already a cat one. You know, it's it's beautiful seeing rapid intensification while you're in it because you can actually see the sometimes the eye wall replacement cycle and we'll sometimes experience that in flight. Uh, and that's something that models don't don't catch yet. It's it happens too quick for it to actually. So on Friday when Noah puts out the the track forecast mm -hmm. and we see a dramatic change, for example, in that that track would you attribute that uh being less from the models and more from maybe the data that you guys are collecting a lot of the at the moment changes can happen from our flights they collect they're seeing all of this data come in they collect all of it. it's kind of funny because with the with the national weather service i actually see how it goes because i'm part of this process right, right. Of, of seeing how it all trickles down from seeing the data their analysis to them updating their either their strength forecast or their path forecast right the, the intensity or the track um and it's it's beautiful seeing how it all you know from this data that we collect how it all kind of improves more and more and if you actually look at statistics and you look at the cones how it used to be just 10 years ago the cones were a lot wider yeah uh, the, the amount of people that we used to have to evacuate were a lot more and now we've gotten a little bit more specific uh we've gotten better at actually predicting the track and all of this is just same thing learning more database more information that's out there at the time we're flying them so we also input that so it all just contributes to all of it so Emeralis, speaking of getting better, do you ever foresee a time when AI and remotely piloted aircraft just kind of take over? Oh, uh, so I think NOAA currently is, and I can't, you know, I don't work for NOAA for the Hurricane Hunters on NOAA, so I, I can't really say exactly what they have, um, but I believe they've already started working with drones and i if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but i think they might be launching these drones from their aircraft so there is still something where we have to with the aircraft get into the environment in order to you know put these drones out um but it, it's getting better i mean our technology that the amount of stuff that we have available our instruments are always being updated we're, we're putting more stuff on the aircraft to collect more specific data so all of that eventually just helps hone in on how much better we can get at our forecast. 
Wow. Okay. So, um, I, I guess parting question here, and it was asked by one of the, the viewers that are watching us live right now, what is next for you? And obviously we're not going to tell hurricane hunters you're going anywhere. Cause you're not, I mean, you're there for a while we know, but you know, I mean, you're at the top of most people's bucket list is what you're doing right now. So yeah, exactly. Craig's like me. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So what's next? What comes after this? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I plan to stay with the hurricane hunters as much as I can. Um, you know, your life takes through different paths. I'm, I have open doors, some closed, but, you know, the open doors could probably be, uh, who knows, maybe something a little bit more integrated within NOAA, uh, within the National Weather Service. We'll see what what options, what availabilities that I get in the in the future. But uh, I might, you know, there, there there's been talk about me maybe studying something different and being able to apply to it. Psychology has been one because I'm very interested in PTSD, post-traumatic uh, stress with when it comes to certain uh, mm. weather phenomenon, you know, especially hurricanes, which is kind of what I went through, where still to this day, I have a certain smell that once I smell it, it immediately takes me back to that little kid that saw the whole home destroyed. So things like that, you know, triggers, and, and that's a really interesting uh, thing to analyze and study. And I would definitely want to continue to dig into rapid intensification. That to me is just uber impressive. Captain is next, right? Uh, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Within a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, one, I, I've got one last question. Uh, Emerilis, and, and I do want to tell everybody, I just realized there is a, a tornado-worn storm 20 miles northeast of my house right now. Oh, my gosh. Of course no. there is. <laughs> of course there is, exactly. Of course there is. Uh, Emerilis, there is no place I would rather be right now than right here talking to you. Um, so, so were you in Houston during Harvey? Uh, I was actually in San Juan. Uh, were, okay. I did help the Houston office doing like a couple of things like our Spanish media graphics and all that, but I actually sat down for Maria. <laughs> oh, really? So, so I, was, I was in Puerto Rico uh, working, Maria. So wow. I, I guess just tell me what that experience work in the office, because uh, that's obviously unique. What, what was that like on that uh, during that storm? So can I say disclosure that I think hurricanes love me? <laughs> i've got andrew i've got george's i've got all these like different storms from puerto rico being raised there and then i come back to work and i also get maria and irma and (laughs) (laughs) so uh, maria was um actually quite traumatic um maria was and it's not just from working It, it you know i have a better understanding at this point i'm not the little kid that i used to be with andrew um, I understand what it is, what I'm expecting. Um, but still, you're never ready. You're never ready for the post event of everything. And I think that was the most shocking, the, the, the heartbreaking part of it. I remember I did videos right before it struck Puerto Rico um, with Weather Nation, I believe. Um, and they asked me one question, like, like, what can you say? And I, the, one of the things that I said is like, a lot of people don't know. And they were like, well, we don't care. It's like, it's, they just don't know what's coming. They, they, they know what's coming, but they don't know that the whole after effect of the hurricane is so heartbreaking. 
it's hard to get back. You know, people in Puerto Rico didn't get power for almost a year. So how do you live? How do you find new ways? You lost jobs. Your hospitals are, you know, they're at its critical. You have people who can't get the, the help that they need or the medical attention um, that they need because everything is just impassable. And um, so, I mean, for me, for example, I didn't know of my family for days. Wow. So I, I was, we were hunkered down at the National Weather Service. We could not leave. Um, and then it wasn't for a couple of days that I was even able to get to my parents by some miracle. Um, I saw them one random night. They weren't even expecting me because we didn't have anything, no, no communication, no cell service. And I just, I won't ever forget the moment of seeing them and then my mother just almost collapsing in my arms because she was distraught having to go through that experience again. Um, it is. And and usually when I tell the story, I break down, but I promised myself I wasn't going to cry again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's something, you know, and it, it was so, it even like motivated me even more because at that point I was very close to being with the hurricane hunters, but it, it wasn't, it was almost borderline, you know, it, there was something there that hadn't occurred yet. So I wasn't technically in. And that to me was like a, a huge boost saying, you know, I absolutely have to do this. Yeah. That's that I, I do get told I tend to make people cry, Amaryllis, but, <laughs> but probably for different reasons. Yeah. We roomed together on storm chasing. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. yeah. All right. So, Hey, that is the sound Amaryllis. Uh, it's time for our lightning round. Uh, so this is our game show of flashy, and brilliant questions that we always get to play with our guest. And so we're going to have fun tonight. Uh, I'm going to call this game Barfo-Rama. <laughs> and you can probably guess why uh, we're calling it Barfo-Rama. But here's, here's the game. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the name and description of, of a device that is to help you with motion sickness, okay? <laughs> and your goal is to tell me, is this a real device or is this something that I made up? <laughs> All right. And so you, you just have to tell me it's real or it's made up. Now, the freaks, they can jump in and, and give you their two cents. If you want to listen to their advice, you can do that. Um, but, but we've got a list of 10 items and you just tell me, is this, is this uh, real or not? Are you ready? All right. No pressure. No pressure. But your captain's promotes based on tonight, so just saying. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the first one. It's called Autotech. It's worn on a headband behind the ear. It uses subtle vibrations to change the way the brain computes the fact that the body that it's attached to is in motion. The autotech. Is this real or made up? No Googling. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the science behind this thing like is it actually plausible like is it huh. hey just because it's it's something that's real doesn't mean it works right Isn't it just means the <laughs> this is the uh, lightning round you're supposed to hit these hard here amaryllis you gotta answer quick is here. this real, real or made up what do you think real <laughs> it is real it is real <laughs> All right, next one. It's uh, they're called the boarding boarding glasses. Boarding glasses. They look like swim goggles for some four-eyed alien species with two round lenses in front and two on the side, 
and the hollow rims are each half filled with blue liquid. <laughs> is this real or made up? Gosh, it looks like a Halloween costume thing. Made up. Wow, it's real. They're that real. What? Boarding glasses. Uh, go ahead and Google it. Yeah, it's some somehow the liquid in them is supposed to help you so because they'll move with the motion, oh. and so your body will realize you're seeing movement. And not freak you out that you're not seeing the movement, but yet you're feeling it, I guess. I, Could you uh, imagine what those would look like if she wore them in her, like, while she was going <laughs> yeah. all the hurricane? You just see blue. There'd be, like, nothing. We're going to send you a pair. Or you That's what we'll do. fill them with beer or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next one is called the Super Barf Bag. Uh, it's an attachable headband with disposable vomit bags that leaves your hands free to still work. Oh, my God. The super barf bag. For some reason, I think this actually exists for some reason. I think it's real. <laughs> now I made it up. It, you know, who knows? It might. It's not real. It's not real. It's, it should it's not... be, right? Thank God. Oh, uh, okay. For like, people who are like, out in boats. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, uh, the next item is called Coffer, uh, Copper FX. FX, Copper FX. It's a pair of socks woven with copper implants to reduce the effects of vertigo. Yes. Copper FX. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Not real. All right, hold, hold on. Real. Who thought that was real? I did. I did. I did. Okay, all right. I didn't get yeah. the socks part. I was like... If they're on your wrists, maybe, but it's like if it's on your mm. feet, I don't know what that would. All right, here's the next one. It's called um, the Ride Vehicle Restraint System with Forced Air. It's a restraint on a roller coaster vehicle that pushes air at the rider's faces in different directions. Maybe that adjusts your liquid in your ears. Um, it's really odd. I feel like NASA would use something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real? Wow. Nice. It's real. Nice. It's wow. real. All right. Uh, next one is uh, the gyro seat. It's an installable <laughs> vehicle seat that sits within a gyroscope, keeping you steady with the horizon during your ride. I could see that being real. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at this, aren't I? I'm, this is good. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah, okay. you were really full of... <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, all right, here we go. The augmented virtual display. It's a vehicle VR system where the wearer is in the car with the system taking into account the vehicle's motion. Ooh, okay, I don't know a lot about VR, but they have some nifty things going on. I don't know. I'm going to have to go with my gut. It's real. Nice. It is. It is. All right. The next one is the C-Band, S-E-A, the C-Band. It's a bracelet that relieves nausea by pressing the P6 acupuncture point on the wrist with a plastic button. Okay. I don't know about the acupuncture part, but I know that they do exist for nausea, so I'm going to say it's real. Yes. That is real. Nice. All right. uh, Then there is the Happy Ride. It's a personal window ventilation system that's enhanced with essential oils. <laughs> I... <laughs> mm. 
I'm gonna say no. Now, so so I'll say this. I'll say this. This might not be in production, but it was an invention by like a seven-year-old girl uh, that displayed this on like Good Morning America or something. But it's when she's in the car, uh, she can roll the window down, but it it just has a um, vent that that she that blows air outside air into her face and has essential oils in it. Interesting. And it helps her with her car sickness. So, so we're gonna we're gonna call it real. All right, last one. Uh, this one's called the Sickless app. It's an app that plays gentle music with a bass level that's inaudible to human ears, but pushes intermittent bursts of air into your ears while you listen, keeping your equilibrium steady. Wait, what's giving you the air? The Sickless app. <laughs> exactly. Um, it Wait. says it says uh, the bass level. That's inaudible to human ears, pushes intermittent bursts of air into your ears. I don't know. Probably headphones, maybe, or your earbuds. For some I mean, reason. I don't know. Like, beta waves, it is a thing. Um, wow. This one's hard. This one's good. All right. I need hints. I want to say a yes, but it's, I don't know. It sounds like a load of pills. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. I would want to say blowing your ear. Yeah. Oh, look at him smiling too. God, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say no. He looks a little like he might be inventing it. I'm gonna say no. Oh, I'm probably gonna lose. I'm gonna say no. Ah! That's nice. correct. That's correct. You figured me out there at the end. You got me at the end. So, uh, so yeah, well done. Um, so, so do this. Uh, let us know. How our listeners can uh, kind of find you on social media and where they, where they can uh, follow you. Absolutely. So the Hurricane Hunters has uh, both Instagram, Twitter. They've got Facebook that you can tune in and you see a lot of our activity. You can see everything that's going on within our mission. So that's a great way for you guys to come, go in and check out our missions. And, you know, if you wanna, you're curious about a path and you just want to follow us, uh, Google Earth does that. Uh, other websites that are publicly available, like Tropical Tidbits, for example, uh, often shows our path so you can actually follow us during a mission. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Pretty sure TikTok's not allowed, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I bet she doesn't have a TikTok account. Hey, we're uh, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to take our final break. And uh, we'll be back with our hashtag weather fools and some chasers gone wild clips. This is Joe Morosky from American Ninja Warrior, and you are listening to Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. Well, it's that time of the show it's uh weather fools this is my favorite segment it's maz's least favorites no maz you like this segment mm. i do like this I no do. it's it's the troll bot you don't like it. anyway this oh, this yeah. is uh uh weather fools this is where uh we're gonna bring to you some of the biggest 
uh, mess ups, mishaps, people doing dumb stuff uh, with uh, with weather. And uh, uh, I'm going to go first. And uh, this uh, it comes from the Weather Channel's uh, uh, Instagram feed. This is a guy filming a tornado hitting his mobile home park. It did not occur to this guy to maybe try to seek shelter. And there were 16 people that were injured in this turn in this tornado, uh, EF3, and he's just filming from the front porch of a mobile home. There could oh be gosh. maybe no bigger weather fool that I have ever seen. Which is zero metering, right, Greg? Yeah. It's it's crazy. Like stuff's flying around. And I mean, fortunately, he didn't take a direct hit, but uh, some of his neighbors did. And I mean, if not for, you know, just a, a, a few uh, like meters difference in, in direction of that uh, tornado in this there, man would be. There's a, there's the video that I saw is either wider or it's longer. But at the beginning, his roof is coming off. Really? His roof oh, flies man. off while he's there on his porch <clears throat> filming it. And And my comment is, you know, if you're going to put yourself that much in danger, just go out in the yard and make sure you actually film the tornado because right, you're not right. risking anything else at this point. Right. Like at this at yeah. this point, like listen, you you like really set a record here. <laughs> Run at the tornado at this, you know, like unreal. Yeah. Anyway, it, so your good. chances of death don't increase that much more if you just actually go out there. <laughs> yeah, no, this one this one comes from James Spann uh, uh Twitter account or Instagram account. Uh, I just thought it was uh, pretty hilarious, and uh, his comment was, "I hope it was unoccupied." This is a uh, porta potty, uh, uh, biffy uh, in the in the in the middle of the road. It was a big storm hit Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, I just thought, can you imagine the terror of <laughs> sitting on a porta potty and then being thrown across the road i mean anyway um, it's, like it's when you're upside neck. down that's the problem <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like a redneck oh. version of the wizard of oz right we're like scooped <laughs> <laughs> up in the porta potty oh i want to go home anyway <laughs> that's a nightmare uh, uh and jen you've got a couple as well don't you I do have a couple. There's been a lot of interesting, uh, unusual weather um, over the past couple of days and couple of weeks. And so um, I've got a couple that I'm, I'm going to bring up, which have to do with flooding. We've had some record-breaking flooding, also storms around as well. And so, but this one is interesting. So this one is from the Weather Channel. And I thought it was fascinating because this guy is filming. There's such a strong wind gust and wind with this storm that all these trees are falling down in his backyard, but he's out there and he seems fine. And yes, the wind direction, I mean, they tend to be, you know, blowing and falling down away from him, but you never know. It could fall on you. So I feel like he was. And I love in this video that his lawn furniture is just fine. I know, I know. <laughs> like the trees are going down all over the place, but yes. his lawn furniture is fine. Isn't that interesting? And I think that's also some of the saturated soil too Whoa. made the root Whoa. system very weak. But there's, yeah. I mean, more, like there's a handful of trees that fall. I mean, look at it. We're just all collapsing all over Whoa. the place. The trampoline so. was even fine. You see, they have a trampoline. It's untouched. <laughs> yeah, is like, it really? Know, I didn't catch that. Oh. Yeah, usually the trampolines are the first uprooted. to go, yeah. Yeah, it's so Impressive. interesting. 
So I just feel like if he was smarter, he would have done that. Now, this is a flood. And so these are basically like cars. <laughs> yeah, it's a flood. Yes, yes. This is, this is a flood. Um, and if you guys are watching this, this car is getting pushed around. Also, there's a tractor there, too. I don't think anybody was occupying the tractor. But it just, I mean, people are, we see it over and over again. People are not smart. We say, turn around, don't drown, and we mean it. And then we actually, this video shows the inside of the car after the fact. And uh, you can see that, yeah, I mean, it was basically destroyed totaled. So there's that one. And then we've got one more. So I'm from um, upstate New York and there was so much rain that fell. And we all, you know, Serena knows New England, they've had, you know, incredible flooding events and record rainfall amounts, but it, wow. they're driving right along this like mountain and there's water, <laughs> like literally, like, literally waterfalls wow. coming down. And it's terrifying because you don't know there could be a rock slide, a mud slide, yeah. and, you know, there's a cliff right on the other side. They're literally driving around a mountain, and it's just – it's terrifying. It's and and there's been there's been out. so many of these landslide videos lately that yeah. it makes you wonder, like, this looks like something that you would see in, in I don't know, like Indonesia or yeah. Thailand or yes. something, you know? Like, oh, yeah. it doesn't, definitely doesn't seem like New York. Yeah, How do you know the hydroplane off the road, right? With all that right. water coming across, like it, it doesn't take much. Yeah, it doesn't at all. So that one was, yeah, terrifying. Now I think this is Phil. Yeah, Phil, go for it. All right. So uh, this one, uh, which which one? This is uh, too late to turn around. So this is from a fan Ooh. of the show, Geo. Awesome. You know, and how we how we talk about turn around, don't drown. Oh Th my this God. is a little late. Oh my gosh, they're oh. a little late here. Oh. Um, that person is like surfing their car down this flood. Oh, the oh my God. The option to turn around is gone. I've Where is this, Phil? I asked that question. We, we couldn't figure it out. We don't know. You guys have never oh. seen so many people trapped in a flash flood on top of their cars in any video I've ever seen. I've it's just I like mean, a residential street and water is just poor. It's like a river, a raging river. Yeah, but I, this is weird. Like all all jokes aside, how freaking terrifying would that be? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, look right? at that girl! Oh my god! Like on top of the red car. Yeah, There's they're so hanging on for them. dear life. This wow. is one of the scariest things I think I've seen. Because look, it's even like blue sky. Like, do you see how pretty yeah, and nice yeah. the day yeah. is? It is. Oh pretty my day. god! Where was this? Where was this? We I don't know. We I couldn't couldn't <laughs> oh. figure it out. But thanks for asking again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, this next one is a uh, fan oh, of the show. God. Morgan, uh, Morgan sent this to us, and it's called Praying No Sinkholes. This is oh, in Oklahoma yeah. City, wow. and there are just cars that are going super fast. Holy bejesus. Probably hydroplaning. Yeah. Look at that uh, guy. It's a chopper shot of these vehicles going through these flooded roads. Is this a high-speed chase video? Is that what's <laughs> happening here? It kind of looks oh. like it is. but. Oh, my God. Where do in these Bahama. people have to go in such a hurry? I know. I mean, deep on these you can't even see like the lines on the road or anything it's like you can yeah. see it's murky from the mud and they're just plowing through wow yeah. you just hope there's not a Looks sinkhole like a or, or you should have a greg someone that can take their socks off and right go right. Out through and test yeah how deep it is <laughs> oh my god that's crazy all right this one i call it's not a james bond car this is in moore oklahoma uh, as well where they had some flooding but this is a car that's in an that's sitting in an underpass couple cars actually and Almost it's completely flooded windows. And uh, but I don't see a propeller on that car. I don't see anything that would turn that car into a submarine. Yeah. To give me the impression that it was probably uh, good to go 
into that water under the over underpass there. So it looks like there's another one further up as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. It just doesn't make sense. People make so turn, sense. turn around. Don't drown. All right. The next one I call Chicago and Midwest <laughs> bag. Um, and this, this is a storm chaser. He goes by CJ. Uh, he's with Chicago and Midwest storm chasing, but there's a couple things going on here. Number one, it's, Plenty bright out, and he's still got his stupid frickin' flashers uh, on. There's no reason for him to have his, uh, not, I shouldn't call him flashers, his light bar. Yeah. He's, he's got his stupid light bar on, but um, that, that to me is kind of the stupid, I, I hate, I'm not a fan of light bars mm -hmm. unless you're pulled over and, you know, you're, you're, you're so You're is this a to road rage something. video? I can't tell. Yeah, is this a yeah road it is too. Okay, okay. Yeah. So video, yeah. I think he was mad that he, he wasn't letting him pass or something, and he passed, and then he realized that these chasers were filming him. Oh. So then, so then he kind of put on the brakes and slowed down, and but That's yeah, hilarious. I just yeah. I I you know a moron like that. I just don't like the fact he's using those uh, light bars. And then this last one I call rocking hard. Oh, that's loud. Uh, rocking hard at Red Rocks. Oh, right. And this oh, was a few weeks ago yeah. Yeah. at uh, the Red Rocks uh, uh, concert hall or whatever, outdoor concert hall. But they had a hailstorm, yeah. and people were just getting hailed on. Uh, but to me, it's just, you know, the people that are organizing these events at an outdoor event like this, you got to be aware and weather aware of what's going on so you don't put thousands and thousands of people that are at a cons outdoor concert in this kind of situation. This video doesn't show it, Phil, but uh, there was quite a few injuries from that event. Yeah, well, this this yeah. person has welts and they're bleeding, their leg, yeah, they're bleeding. Yeah, yeah. They're like under a table right now or something. Uh, but yeah. you can see people running, trying to find shelter. Yeah, and, yeah, and the Red Rocks Amphitheater is right there on the front range. And it's like Denver is the hail capital of the United States. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how and, does this happen? And I mean, I think that video shows very clearly, don't wear skinny jeans in a hailstorm, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you're going to get welts. I mean, that, I think we, I think we, uh, that's the lesson that. we learned. <laughs> yeah, that's the lesson. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, listen, guys, that was Weather Fools. Uh, show notes, uh, episode 188. And uh, uh, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. All right, guys. It is Storm Chasers Gone Wild. That's right. Storm Chasers Gone <laughs> Wild. So the thing is, there's just a lot of storm chasing video games out there, right? And sometimes, you know, storm chasers don't make the best decisions. I mean, maybe they're testing new things out. I don't know when they're going to actually be out there in the field, but they do some idiotic things and it just doesn't make sense. So let's get right to it, Phil. All right, so I'm, I'm going to share uh, some clips that we found online of, of various people, uh, as Jen said, playing these storm-chasing video games. And uh, you guys can tell me what you think and if, uh, if you think you might do this as well. There's no way we're going to be able to drive through that. But if we don't, oh, we're gonna... so here's, I like where so this is going. This guy is driving <laughs> towards a tornado. I love how realistic this is. Around? Here we go. Oh. It was nice knowing you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish. He salutes. He's going straight towards the tornado. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you all later. 
Oh my god. <laughs> now watch this. So he goes airborne. Runs out before we hit the ground. Oh my god. Potentially pass the mission. Watch him land. Somehow the car lands on all four tires and he lives. And he didn't even surprise. Look at how surprised he looks. Oh, that's funny. So apparently part of the game, you're supposed to photograph flying animals. Oh, oh my God, dude. That's oh, so interesting. Oh, we're done. Make so he's, it kind of took a little he's bit standing of a in front of a tornado taking pig photos. Cows. That's a pig. I feel like I'm going to watch this. That's a pig. Cow. Got it. Oh, my God. There you go. He's photographing a flying cow. Frank <laughs> <laughs> would be really good at this game. Oh, man. Yeah. I would love that. Yes. Hey, are you good, bro? Oh, oh no. So he's checking out a dead cow. Oh, oh my god. Oh no. He's taking a photo of the cow's udder. Oh my god. Oh man. This is so fascinating. That's the photo you want too, Greg, right? Like right. in the background, udders in the foreground. Alright, so Mostly the next one, the udders. This guy is placing a probe too close to a tornado. Oh, this is like the twister living out oh god, the twister. Oh yeah. It's too close. Oh no. That's amazing. So he's trying to drive out. Get in the piece of junk. Oh, it's the It's the little feral screams in the background that are really doing it for me. That's half of it. Yeah, well, just listening to these people. Oh, did he, did he survive? Did he make yeah, it? Yeah, he survived. He's good. Yeah. He's good. Look at him. But then, then the same guy, later he blows a tire. So you got to watch this. Oh, yeah. He hasn't hit anything in a while, probably. Things are going great. And then oh, what happens? Oh, barely. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, no. Look at him. So he's rolling. <laughs> Driving too fast <laughs> for the conditions. I love the slow mo of it. Yeah, then they do slow mo him. Like he he had to have rolled that truck like six times. That's amazing. Oh my god. Okay, Phil. Need that barf uh, bag. Exactly. <laughs> here's an idea for next uh, next spring, Phil. We don't go storm chasing. We just all get together. Have some drinks and play storm chasing video games. That sounds actually like a lot of fun. <laughs> that would be good. It beat that. It beat the uh, board game we played. That's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but if we do that, Brady's not allowed. <laughs> no, that's true. This is very true. That is true. If so, anyways, want- so that that was uh, that was our chasers gone wild clip. So I want to let everybody know if if you've got a video of your friends uh, playing a storm chasing video game and some wild way, uh, send me the link or send me a clip at phil at stormfrontfreaks.com. Uh, we, might, we might play it on the next show. So I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Live. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, before we announce the guest of our next episode, do us a favor. If you like our show, hit the follow and subscribe button and help us get discovered by sharing your favorite episode on social media. I should have Jen do this. Freaks, how can people follow you and find your content? So, Jen, I'm going to start with you. Yes, all right. So, I am Jay Watson underscore WX on Twitter and Jennifer Weather on Instagram, threads, and TikTok. I love it. All right, Maz. 
uh, on Twitter at Money Storm, the number four and the letter U. Very good. All right, Greg. I am <laughs> Tornado Greg on all social media. And you can also check out my teaching website for camera stuff, photography. It's called CameraEasy.ca. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, Serena. Oh my god, we all sound like WWE stars. Um, everything for my socials is at Weather Serena W X C Y R E N A A A. I feel like grabbing a chair and bashing it over Greg's head or something right now, right? Like, aren't you? It's that that adrenaline's just kind of going through your veins. Um, you can you can uh, you can follow me. I, I'm usually just on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. Uh, but you can find Stormfront Freaks on all kinds of social media channels. Um, is is uh, Threads, is that a thing anymore? Is that gone already? What, no, what's going it's not on? gone. It's still a thing. <clears throat> okay. Hey, happy birthday, by the way. To who? To you. No, yeah. it's Brady's birthday. It's not my birthday. Oh, yeah, It yeah, says yeah. Phil okay. Johnson, not my birthday. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to say anything, Phil, but it was my birthday three days ago. Oh, was it really? I don't think we knew that. So happy, happy sixty-two. So is that what the seventeenth? Seventeenth. Uh, uh, I guess four days ago, sixteenth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a, but it, listen, it was a milestone birthday. Uh, I turned fifty-three. Oh, oh sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Congrats, Greg! That's Yay! It's, well, because it's the Canadian thing. When you converted to American, he was fifty. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> good one. That's that's a good one. Yes, that is good. All right. So our next. Uh, oh, I also special thanks to our guest Amaryllis Cotto. Uh, oh yeah, that was, was awesome. Awesome, amazing. I, I don't think our live feed got shut off, so I don't think the government uh, was too concerned <laughs> about our Yay. questioning. So that was good. And our next episode, so this is going to be fun. We got Mike Boylan. And if you don't know who Mike is, he's uh, of Mike's Weather page. Anybody ever use SpaghettiModels.com? Yes. Uh, Mike's Weather page. So that's Mike Boylan. Uh, so he's going to be with us, obviously, discussing the tropical storm season. Uh, Stormfront Freaks will be live Thursday, August 3rd. 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central on YouTube. And, of course, the audio podcast will be available that weekend as well. So for uh, Serena, Greg, Jen, Maz, uh, MJ in the back there, and, of course, our, our teammates Garrett and Angela and Dan, I'm going to signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. So good night, everybody. Hi. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. If you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.